Praise God. What a good time to be in the house of the Lord. So grateful for the opportunity. I am so thankful for the ministries that God has blessed our church with. When I look around at all of the able ministers that God has brought uh, up in life, our greater life, and also that have brought to greater life, I am so indebted. I spent a little time with my brother today and I never talked to him that I'm not enriched. Uh, he has a, an encyclopedic memory of the Word and Scripture and it just intimidates me sometimes. But I'm thankful that I know him and I can call on him and ask him questions. And uh, I, he may finish this Bible study tonight. He doesn't know that, but he may get to finish this Bible study. If I run out of steam, if not, Brother Greg Starts is going to help me out. But both of these men, I'm telling you, the last uh, uh, few weeks have been rich for our church, and I'm thankful for that. Amen. Amen. We're talking about the the tabernacle of the Old Testament and uh, using it as a pattern for our prayer life. And tonight we're going to go a little bit further in our journey. If you will look with me, you you can remain seated. We're going to read several verses. Exodus chapter 25. I'm going to begin reading with verse 23. While you're going there, uh, if you don't get it, they'll put it on the screen here in a moment. But didn't we have a great weekend? So good to have the Fosters with us. Amen. What a move of God in this place Sunday night. It was such a powerful move of God at the end of service. I'm telling you, I've thought about that message all week. The long-standing consequences of my choices. I want to be wise, and I pray tonight we will see even further how important that is. Exodus chapter 25, verse 23. Thou shalt also make a table Of Shittim wood, two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. And thou shalt overlay it with gold, pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. And thou shalt make unto it a border of an handbreadth round about. And thou shalt make a crown, golden crown, to the to the border thereof round about. And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold put and, and put the rings in the four corners that, that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for the places of the staves to bear. This was for the purpose of them transporting the tabernacle that moved often and it made it easy for them to pick up And there were certain members of the priesthood and ministry that were, uh, they they were given that uh, responsibility of carrying uh, this particular piece of furniture. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold that the table may be borne with them. And thou shalt make the dishes thereof and spoons thereof and covers thereof and bowls thereof to cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them and thou shalt set upon the table shoe bread before me always. Then going to the 26th chapter down at verse number 36 
and verse 37. And thou shalt make an hanging for the door of the tent of blue and purple and scarlet and fine twined linen wrought with needlework. And thou shalt make for the hanging five pillars of shittim wood and overlay them with gold and their hooks shall be of gold and thou shalt cast five sockets of brass for them. We have read concerning two distinct uh, things in the tabernacle that we want to take a look at tonight. Our study of the tabernacle has been in an effort to help give us a fresh pattern for prayer and our prayer time. And I hope that it will be an encouragement, certainly not to intimidate you, because when you start trying to go through all of these pieces of furniture and these places uh, that the priest would go to, it can seem overwhelming, but I hope that I can simplify some of those things tonight so that you can understand how important it is that we not only pray, but there be a pattern and a structure to prayer. Prayer should encompass many things when we go to the Lord if we are truly going to enter into the full depth and purpose that prayer was given to us. And I pray that somehow this study will help take away any excuse that we might have uh, for not praying. Someone said one time that they believe the sin that doth so easily beset us that is mentioned in Hebrews was the sin of prayerlessness. And I tend to agree that perhaps that could be the sin we are all guilty of at some point in our life at not praying as we ought to pray. I know my own personal life. I feel that it needs a deep improvement in the arena of prayer. And I am doing my best to commit myself to deeper levels of prayer and understanding the purpose. Prayer in, in our time with God is so important and it facilitates so many things that God wants to do in our life. And it is my desire that what we're going through in this study of the tabernacle will help facilitate your prayer life. It will help all of us be obedient to the command to pray. And he gives us a proven pattern. This is not the only pattern for prayer as has been mentioned. In the New Testament, we know the Lord's Prayer. It, it simply a means and a vehicle to get us into the presence of God and into the depth of God's spirit and a relationship that he desires to nurture in all of us. And it encompasses all of the essential elements in real prayer. Now, I, I understand that there are some people that never get to the real depth of prayer. And I'm going to mention that in a moment. There's, they stay on what I consider the shallow end of praying. And, and, and they wonder why prayer, it doesn't mean to them what it means to others that go on. And they go behind the curtain and they go behind the, into the holy of holies when in prayer time. 
that they spend so much of their time in this one area and they think that it, it, there's, there's not a lot to prayer when the reality is that when you look at the tabernacle, there's something marvelous about it and it, it fascinated me again this last evening and this morning and, and I want to share that with you. It, it is evident from scripture that God desires to commune with his people and the call to prayer is to everyone. Everyone, turn to your neighbor and say everybody. Everybody ought to pray. Everybody can't sing, everybody can't preach, everybody can't lead, but everybody can pray. And everybody should pray. And we should learn how to move into the true depth of prayer. And here in this tabernacle is a very clear path into the very presence of God and his desire for us. And so if we pray and we learn how to pray, I have, I have figured out a long time ago that people can write books about prayer and you can read their books about prayer, but the best teacher of prayer is just to pray. Because when you truly move into that arena of prayer and begin communing with God, it in itself has a way of drawing you into the deeper places that God wants you and I to come to in our prayer time. And so I pray that our study will enable you to pray more fervently and to pray more passionately and to empower you with confidence that when you pray, God is going to move. What struck me today in, in, in studying and looking back over the tabernacle is that each part of that tabernacle from the, the, the gate or the door that opened to the large compound of, of what was called the tabernacle area until you moved behind the first curtain. And then once a year the priest went behind that veil into the Holy of Holies. Every part of this tabernacle was designed to draw man into a deeper relationship with him. Every part of this tabernacle was designed to draw them into deeper fellowship. That every step you take toward him is to a deeper place. And I feel like that's what God has been calling on greater life to do all this year. Is to move to that deeper place. And if your prayer life has been shallow and it, it seems to be ineffective and you don't seem to get much out of it. I pray that you will open your heart and your ears and hear the word of God and you will allow this thing to draw you because God's pattern is designed to take us deeper with him. Amen. It is designed to bring us closer to him. There are different levels of interaction with God. And sometimes... I believe some people stay on what I call the shallow end of prayer. And thus prayer is not as important to them. But prayer was intended 
to be a means of always taking us to a deeper place in God and in his presence. And when I looked at the tabernacle, I was struck by the attention that God gave to detail. If you go read the book of Numbers and you read the book of Leviticus and Exodus, you find within the writings of these books specific details. It's not left to chance. It's, it's not, well, if, whatever size you want to build it. God said, no, this is the way I want it built. And if you can understand this, this tabernacle was a reflection of heaven. And the reason that God was so specific is because he wanted you to experience on earth what goes on in heaven all the time. So when we pray and we come to the Lord and we honor his word, God is going to do great things In our life and everything in this tabernacle, everything, every detail of it, every, every specific piece of furniture, all the materials that were used and all of the dimensions, all of them reflect one thing and that is the reality of heaven and the Lord himself. It is a reflection of his character. It is literally from heaven to earth that we receive this instruction. And prayer is much more effective when it is done according to His Word, not according to mine. And there's symmetry and order and beauty and wonders that are found within this tabernacle setting. And there was light and uh, uh, cherubims and There was revelation that came and there was mercy that was found and grace that was extended and help and strength and provision. All of those things can be found in this tabernacle that God gave to his people. And when it becomes a pattern for our prayer, everything God intended for it to be to them, it becomes to us as we pray through those different areas that we've talked about. God's fellowship with his people was to take place at this tent of meeting. It was by his design to his specifications, not man. And I am amazed at the detail. That means God is interested in things uh, that sometimes we don't show a lot of interest in. But God is. And so I need to learn how to become acquainted with and attuned to those things that are important to him and prayer, communion with him, a relationship with him is very important for he made this statement, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Everything about the tabernacle was designed for the purpose of bringing man closer to God and nearer to his presence and nearer to his will. And tonight, I hope that we can go a little deeper into this pattern of prayer and we can come to a greater understanding of the opportunity we have when we truly go to God in prayer. The last couple of weeks, we've taken a look. I think they're going to put that picture of the tabernacle back up for you. 
But the last couple of weeks we have spent time talking about the entry, the gate, and then the two pieces of furniture, the fixtures that are outside in the large, common, open area. What's interesting is that that altar is the largest piece of furniture in the entire tabernacle compound. That was where men brought their sin offering. That tells me that God's grace is big enough to cover any kind of issue and every kind of issue that you or I may ever bring to Him. It can take care of every kind of problem. It can take care of every kind of need. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. There's a place that you and I can go to in prayer when God said my provision is enough amen I'm thankful for that but we looked at the at the gates and I love brother brother Starks knows so much scripture by heart Bible quizzer champion Bible quizzer for eons knows the Bible backwards and forwards and just flows out of him enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. That's one of my favorite verses of scripture. As a matter of fact, if you ever come around here and hear me praying, you will know that almost every time I come to prayer, that's where I begin. I want to enter his gates with thanksgiving. I want to enter his courts with praise. I want to be thankful. I have discovered this. That you can thank, you, I, you, I, I want to split a hair right now, but you can give thanksgiving with not, without always being thankful. Because thanksgiving can be a product of your mouth and your mind, but thankfulness is a product of your heart. And so the Lord is encompassing the totality of who I, when you enter into my gates, I want all of you. I want your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I don't want you just coming, bringing your body, sitting in on my pew or in my presence. I want you to bring your mind and your will and your spirit. I want every piece. I want all of you because that's the only way I can truly influence and change your life. Amen. There was the altar of sacrifice. This was where the sin offerings and other offerings were bought and burnt. And then there was the washing, the labor, the place of washing. And so to me, here are three key elements of prayer that when I begin to pray, these are three elements that I always go through in my own personal prayer time. And they have been helpful to me. I enter with thanksgiving. I enter with praise. I then petition the Lord to forgive me. I'm not trying to sin but believe me I live in a faulty human vessel and I fail sometime but I don't want to go any further in communing with him until I tell him I need you to I, I need you to forgive me forgive me of my attitude forgive me of my spirit forgive me of whatever I've done that's wrong and for those things that I don't even remember God bring them to my remembrance so that I can get them out I want to come before him with a repentant heart and I want to offer him a sacrifice that is pleasing in his sight and then I will ask him to wash me and cleanse me filthiness of flesh and spirit God I don't want anything in me that is unlike you and that's what I pray every time I pray and then we're going to go tonight uh, into this second area of the tabernacle and 
This is where it gets so beautiful because the, the, this outer court area was for the dealing with sin. But when you move past the veil, you started moving into the arena of God's provision and His presence and God's power and His glory and His majesty and His might. And this is what I'm talking about when some people never get to the depth of prayer. They're always praising and they repent and they ask to be washed, but they don't ever go anywhere else. They stop right there. They never venture behind the curtain to see what's on the other side. And and that's where the real depth of God's presence is seen. That's where the character of God is revealed. Once you get behind the curtain and you see what is there and what has been placed there, then you begin to realize that these things that are here are symbolic of who He is and what He means and represents in my life. And that's why it's so important that we not just worship and confess our sin and repent of our sin and ask to be cleansed, but we go in behind that veil and we go into that area that was called the holy place. It was not the holy of holies. That was the room in the very back. That's where the priest went once a year. But into that holy place, they could go often because it was there that they had to change the shoe bread out on a weekly basis. So somebody had to be in there every week tending to those things, making sure the fire never went out, making sure that there was incense on the altar, making sure that the lamp was burning. There was access in there. But this was where they came into the true depth of God's presence and the depth of the meaning of what God wanted to be and do in their life. And so when the priest turned from this labor and moved, what he stood before was a place covered by a curtain. And on the outside, he had been dealing with death and washing. But on the inside, he's going to deal with life and resurrection and revelation and power and majesty and the mystery and the wonders of God. And it's so important that we learn how to pray through until we get into that inner chamber, into that inner deeper place with God. And as he approached, he was confronted by a large linen curtain or drapery that was beautifully embroidered with blue and purple and scarlet. And it hung upon five pillars. Those pillars were so significant. This was the doorway. This was the gateway into the holy place where the character of God would be revealed and manifest. And it protected uh, it, it was protected in this area by covering. I thought it was so beautiful when I was reading over this last night and reading through that account that the, the, the covering over the top uh, of this, uh, this holy place and the holy of holies, that curtain that you see laying over the top was actually four layers. The bottom layer was fine linen. And then there was... A, a layer of, uh, of, of, of ram, uh, of, uh, 
of, of skins, the, 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 the sacrificial lamb skin, whatever, the offering skin. And then there was the ram skin dyed red on top of that. And then on the very top, there was badger skin. And badger, my brother, uh, brought greater revelation to me today. And I looked it up and it, it actually means uh, a, a sea creature. So evidently, uh, whatever they had on the outside, that covering was water repellent. It, it would not allow the moisture or the wind or the sand from the outside. But what I saw was interesting is that the linen was, was uh, symbolic of the righteousness of God. And that other layer, that next layer was symbolic of my sinfulness. And God sandwiched my sinfulness between His righteousness and that blood of His covering. And then over that was a protection that nothing in this world can ever get to. Isn't that awesome? That when you go into that holy place, you're moving into an arena unlike any other arena in the world. Woo. Waterproof. Sea otter, porpoise, some translations say porpoise. It was some kind of uh, mammal that, that the skins were of such a nature that when they were sewn together, they made a waterproof. And you know what that tells me? That when God does something in my life, He does it to such perfection that the devil can never get in there and undo what God has done for me. And he said, he wanted, he wanted them to know when you come in there, I've got your sin covered. So you don't have to be afraid to come to the throne of grace in your time of need. You see, the problem is a lot of us try to drag all that stuff from the outside into the holy place. And if you drag it into the holy place, that means it never was burned up because it should only be ashes if it's burned on the altar. But when you come into that inner place, you're in a place of relationship with him unlike anything else in all of the world. And here in this holy place, the doorway gave access to things that were otherworldly. Jesus declared in John chapter 10 verses 7 and 9 that he was the door. And that if anybody came up any other way, they were the same as a thief or a robber. These curtains that hung by golden hooks from these five pillars separated that holy place from that outer court. And so when we go in prayer, there, there is this depth of movement that takes place when we really get into the spirit of prayer. And I'm aware that some people pray and never get there, but it's, it's not because you can't get there, it's because you quit too soon. But if you'll keep praying, I love Brother Kilgore, he used to, he used to make us just keep praying. You know, we, we come pray an hour with him and he'd say, all right, let's, that's good, let's pray another hour. And you know what I learned? I learned that what I could not break in that first hour became easy to break through and break off of me when I moved into that second hour. 
And what I've learned about God is that the deeper you move in Him, the more power He gives you to break off and separate anything in your life that can destroy or affect you in a negative way. Amen. Thank God we have that opportunity to go into His presence. Praise God. I don't have time to go into all the details, but these pillars were made of acacia wood overlaid with gold and they were sitting on bases of sockets made of brass so that they would not be moved. Obviously, you uh, you get the picture. All of this took place on a dirt floor in the wilderness. And so sometimes it was uneven, but God made sure that nothing would interfere with this place, that it would be solid and secure. And he gave the specific designs about the poles that would go through the inside, how all of it would be tied together so it was a secure place. Listen to me. When you go to God in prayer, it's always a secure place. It's not going to be blown down by the winds of time or the troubles of the present hour when you come into his presence there is a protection and there is a help that you can't find anywhere else amen and that door allowed access into that inner chamber and that door we understand in our new testament time is jesus i'm thankful that i know who jesus is tonight Amen. I'm thankful that I know how to call on his name. Isaiah 9 and 6 gives us probably the best understanding of what these pillars represent, which were five in number. By the way, five is the number of grace. And if you go through the word of God, you will find that five is significant of grace. Anytime you see that number five, it is speaking of the grace of favor of God. So here you are. The grace and favor of God is there. And you're going to get to go through it. You're going to get to pass beyond that. That means when I go into deeper places in prayer that I am moving into the favor and the grace of God. And God has his ear tuned to my need and my cry and he has made available in that inner chamber ways in which I can access him for every need in my life. Praise God. Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And this Isaiah gives us a description of the Messiah, but more importantly, he gives us a description of his character, of who he was, and who he was going to be to you and I in our life. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So here you go in to this inner sanctuary in this tabernacle and you are passing by these five pillars. Think about it with me for a few moments that when you go into that deeper place in prayer that you are allowed to know some things about God that you probably will not understand if you only stand on the outside but you've got to pass through grace 
You've got to pass through his favor to be able to get to the place where your eyes are open wide enough that you can realize, oh my goodness, he is so good. His favor, his blessings are here and he has given me access to everything that I need in my life to help me be a better man and a better person. So when we move into the deeper dimensions of prayer, we begin to see the character and the deity of God. First of all, he says his name shall be called Wonderful. When you come in to this level of prayer, you can pray and talk about the wonders of God. I want to be ever mindful of how wonderful he is, how good God is. When I'm praying, oftentimes I remind him of how good he is and how good he has been to us. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 13, 54. And when he was come, or what was said of Jesus, and when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue inasmuch that they were astonished and they said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works. I want you to know tonight that there is a dimension of prayer that you can move into where you begin to realize the wonders of God and how wonderful He is. And in our prayer time, when we are in this dimension of prayer, I love to rehearse those wonders before him. As a matter of fact, I like to quote scripture. I like to say the word back to him just to remind him of what he has said and who he is to my life. This is who you are to me, God. I'm not saying this to remind you of who you are. I'm saying this to remind myself of who you are to myself. And I'm grateful for that. And I rehearse his wonders. I love to, to, to pray Psalms 149 and 150. I love to talk about his wonders and, and his glory and his majesty. He's amazing. He's marvelous. He's full of wonder. I remind him of what he said in his word. And then I lay claim to those promises. And I realize how good God has been to me. And I spend time giving him thanks for his goodness to my life. I'm here to tell you tonight, I would not be standing before you if it had not been for the goodness of God. And I have learned something. I have found something to be true. That when you enter, when you desire to draw closer to Him in prayer, He will always reveal His goodness to you. Amen. Moses said, I want to see you, Lord. And the Lord said, well, you can't see me, but I'll let you view my hinder parts. And when he passed by, he saw this wonder of God's just the backside. And he talked about it as being the glory of God and the wonders and the majesty that were there. I'm thankful that I have learned a little bit about how good God is and I recognize that there's no one like him. I like to tell him that often. There's nobody like you, Jesus. There's nobody to compare with you. And when you move into that dimension of prayer, when you truly are awed by his wonders 
and you realize how great he has been in so many areas of your life, it enables you to pray more boldly for the needs that are in your life right now. When I look back, that's where I see the goodness of God. When I'm looking forward, all I see are my problems. But when I look back over my life, I realize every step of the way, God's been with me. He's been good to me. And so I appeal to the goodness of God to help me through the chaos that I'm living in right now. Praise God. He is counselor. Everybody say counselor. This is the source of all wisdom. He knows all things. So when I come to this level of prayer, I know that I can tell him anything and know that he understands that. He doesn't look back at me like I look back at some people when they're telling me something and I don't have a clue what they're talking about. But when I call on him and I begin to tell him, he knows about everything. And not only does he know about everything, but he knows how to take care of everything. He knows how to help me through everything. He knows all things about all of us. So why do we try to hide so much? You don't have to hide. He wants to be your counselor. He wants to be your wisdom. God wants to empower you. So when we move into this dimension of prayer, we begin to ask Him for wisdom and understanding and enlightenment. God, I need revelation. I need to know what to do. I need to know how to respond. I need to know how to react. I need to know what to do next. I need your counsel. I need you to speak into my life and speak those things that will help me move forward and do your will. He knows us. He knows what I need. And the wisdom is God is what I need right now more than anything that I can think of in this world. I need the wisdom of God to know how to respond and live in this present world. With all the chaos, with COVID and everything that's going on, what's amazing to me is that how this thing has been elevated uh, over time, it has gotten uh, worse, not better, which is kind of strange because as my brother and I were discussing today, most mutations of viruses get weaker as they mutate, but this is getting stronger. So that tells me man must be doing something in the background to make it worse. So we understand we live in that kind of chaotic environment. If there's ever a time I need wisdom to know how to respond or know how to live in this present hour and to make the right decisions and the right choices for my life and for my family. And it's here when I'm in prayer, I pray for God to give me wisdom and lead me in the right direction. We pray for our country We need to pray for our country more now than we've ever prayed for it. Pray for our homes. Pray for our jobs. We've got a lot of our people that are being forced to make a decision about taking a vaccine. I don't believe there's a sin in taking the vaccine, but they're being pushed to the point where they're being, you either take the vaccine or you lose your job. And what a tragedy to be put in the position to where you are put in that place if you have strong convictions against it. I, I don't think you're going to go to hell because you take a vaccine. I don't believe I'm going to go to hell if I take one. But I don't like the fact that we are being pushed to the place where it's either this or you don't eat, this or you don't work, this or you don't have an income. 
And so we've got people that are having to make decisions. What am I going to do? How is this going to affect my future? What am I going to do? How will this affect my family? I'm telling you, we better get on our knees and we better get into that inner place of prayer and say, God, I need your wisdom for this hour. I need to know what to do. Direct my steps. Help me. He's the mighty God. Everybody say mighty God. I love to pray in this dimension of prayer because I like to brag on God. Ain't nobody like my God. I know that's not good English and I probably grate on you good English students and English majors, but he, there ain't nobody like my God. There ain't nobody like my Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful that I know his name and I pray his name. I'm thankful for the revelation of who he is. And when you really get that revelation of who he is, there's a power that comes with revelation and you begin to speak that name over issues and problems and speak that name over the things that are going on in your life. It's amazing what happens when you utilize the power that's in the name of Jesus and the blood that he shed for you and I. There's power in in that when we pray. Amen. Pray for understanding and pray for wisdom. Pray for the glory of God to be revealed in our lives and be displayed. For life's overwhelming need, I need a mighty God. Amen. And we're facing some overwhelming need. When I come to this dimension of prayer, I can bring the needs of my life And ask him to let his power act upon those issues in my life that so need his help. I remember sitting down several years ago with a good friend of mine. He was a senior vice president or senior president of one of the banks in the Houston area. I don't really know what had happened, but he was at the verge of a nervous breakdown. He was a religious man of sorts. He was connected to a church But uh, I was asked to come and talk to him. I came into the bank where he was working and we went into his office and I closed the door, sat down and he began to tell me some of the things that were going on in his life. And uh, he began to talk to me about the overwhelming pressure that he was under and he was at the breaking point. He was at the point of losing everything. And uh, I've never seen a man of his distinction at such utter despair. And so I started talking to him about praying and praying, not just praying, but praying in the name of Jesus and praying, uh, speaking and confessing the promises that he has given and, and speaking the things that God has done over your life. I said... I I want you to go home and when you pray, I want you to plead the blood of Jesus over your life. He looked at me. He said, what do you mean plead the blood of Jesus? Is that in the scripture? I said, well, not in those exact terms, but the idea is definitely there. When you speak of, of the blood, you are speaking of everything that blood accomplished, everything it paid for, everything it took care of, everything it overcame. So when I begin to plead the blood, I am calling on that same efficacious power to come and act on my life and help give me power over the issues that I'm facing in my present situation. 
And when I begin to plead, I plead the blood over my children. I plead the blood over my home. I want all of his protection. Everything that the blood accomplished, everything that it purchased, everything that it brought to pass, everything that it put an end to. I want to claim every one of those promises. Why? Because he's a mighty God. Amen. He's a mighty God. And then he said, everlasting father. What a wonderful last, or one of the, the next to last statement. Everlasting father. In a world in which so much dysfunction is present, we need the touch of a good father. And you and I have a good, good father. Amen. I said we have a good, good father. Life is so filled with hurts and dysfunction. But when I come into that holy place, when I really move into the depth of prayer, that's when I find God to be that everlasting, ever-present Father that I need in my life. And he wraps his arms around me and he embraces me and he calls me his own. He gives me an identity. He gives me a purpose. And it is here in this dimension of prayer that I find strength for my present struggles. He wraps his arms around me. He makes me to know that I am loved, that he cares for me, and that he will take care of me. And he reminds me of who I am. You know what? You need to get into a place in prayer where you realize who you are. You are a child of God. You have the greatest father in all the world. And if you can ever get past the shallow end of prayer and move into the depth of prayer, you're going to go by some curtains and there's going to be some pillars that surround you. And you're going to realize that part of what God is in your life is an everlasting father. Last of all, they said of him, he would be the prince of peace. I don't know of anything that's more needed in our world right now than this Prince of Peace to come. Amen. Life's filled with turmoil, chaos, strife, trouble of every kind. Amen. But I'm thankful that the scripture says, Isaiah 26 and 3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. There's something about moving into this level of prayer that you feel something surrounding you that's otherworldly. Everybody around you is chaotic. Everybody around you is losing their mind. They're, 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 they're pulling their hair out. But when you move through life, you've moved into that dimension. There is this bubble of peace around your life. Oh, they may try to penetrate it. They might try to burst that bubble. They may try to bring you down to reality, as they say. But I've got news for you. This is a reality. He is the Prince of Peace. And he is the one that will be with me whatever I'm going through. And I pray for that peace over my family, over my home, over this church. Amen. There's nothing that we desire more than the peace of God. We need to pray that over Jerusalem. That's what scripture says. This doorway to deeper prayer in reality, is simply recognizing all that Jesus is and desires to be in my life and in your life when we go to pray.
And in closing, I want to talk to you about the last thing, and that's the table of shewbread. This table was about 36 inches wide, about 18 inches deep, and about 27 inches wide. It was made of the acacia wood, which was a very hard, resilient, but lightweight wood that was found in the wilderness. And it was out of this that they constructed these different pieces. And this table was overlaid with gold. And, and around the top edge of it was the, the, a hand breadth. And I'm not sure if it was this way or this way, but I would assume it's this way. It was, uh, it was an edge. It was like a rim around it so that whatever was placed inside of it would not fall off or be knocked off. And even in their travels, they would cover it with the curtains and they would pick that, uh, that uh, piece of furniture up and move it and none of it would fall off or be lost in the process. And it was here in this place where the showbread is that we find another depth of prayer. And in this place, we find it to be so enlightening of what we're engaging in. The showbread literally meant the bread of his presence. So if you can understand that when you start moving into the deeper places in prayer and you get beyond just praise and worship and repentance and washing and all that, but you move behind that veil, you're moving into an arena where you are not dealing with sin any longer. You're dealing with the presence and the power of God that's available to help you. And what went on in that little chamber was going to be transformative for all of Israel because what went on in there was what was going to take care of their sin for another year and their problems and the offerings that they brought and everything that transacted on that offering. All of that was taken care of in this holy place. And it was there that this table of shewbread set the bread of his presence. The bread was made of fine flour. It was baked and it was sprinkled with frankincense. And there were 12 cakes. Interesting. One cake for every tribe. So that he made sure that Israel knew that all of you are covered. That all of you are included. That nobody is excluded from this opportunity that's in my presence. It was a reminder of God's everlasting covenant with his people. And I believe the number is significant for many, many reasons. And two things about bread, and I'm going to close very quickly. Number one, the bread that is spoken of is also symbolic of the Lord himself. John chapter 6 verse 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I shall give in my flesh is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is a reminder of God's willingness to accommodate us that do not have the means to help ourselves, But this bread is a reminder that God is willing to accommodate us to be in His presence, to be close to Him. And here in prayer, I can pray, claim the promises of God that have been accomplished through the sufferings on the cross. And here in prayer... The bread of heaven is made real and available in my life. 
And it's here in this dimension of prayer that I can pray for provision. I can pray for God to fulfill. I can pray for the satisfaction of my petition. And I can find a fellowship with Him that is unlike any other area in my life. He will sustain me when I get to this area of prayer. I become aware that He's able to keep me no matter what happens around me. That God will make a way where there is no way. That God will open doors when there are no doors to open. He will make a way through the sea if it need be. Amen. The last thing bread speaks of is symbolic of the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and 3 said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. We celebrate in this dimension of prayer and in this level of prayer, we celebrate and claim the victories here for our lives. The word that gives light. I pray for revelation. I pray that God will open my eyes and and help me to see. I pray for understanding. I want to know. I love the verse of scripture that speaks of the sons of Issachar who knew the times and understood what Israel ought to do. If we need anything in this hour, we need sons of Issachar that know the time and that know how to help us do the things that God would enable us to do. Here in prayer is where I ask for those things. I ask for understanding. I ask for revelation. I ask Him for awakening. God, stir this world. Stir our community. Stir our city. Stir our lost loved ones. Turn the backslider. I pray that God's Word will direct them and lead them and awaken them and speak into their life. And I pray those promises. There's nothing that I love to do more than just open the Word and start reading the Word in my prayer time. And that word is known as the Logos. But when I begin to read it in that context of prayer, that Logos becomes a rhema word for my life and my situation. That Logos, that general word that God spoke, all of a sudden it becomes personal. And I realize that God's speaking to me in this scripture. And it becomes a rhema word, a life word for my present situation. That's what happens when you get beyond the shallow end of prayer and you move into to the depth of prayer, you discover that He's an almighty God and He has provided for every need and He's made available to you and I everything we need and He has given us access into His presence. He'll give us wisdom and understanding and knowledge but we will not find that outside that curtain. Amen. You've got to go into that inner chamber of prayer. To find those things to be true. That's why we need to pray. You say, I don't know how to pray. Well, just start praying. You'll learn how. Listen to other people pray. 
I used to just come in and sit in the prayer room and listen to people pray. I know they probably didn't know that, and they probably would have gotten quiet if they'd have known I was listening, but I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear them pray because their prayer inspired me to pray. It taught me how to say the right things. It taught me how to approach God in the right way that would bring results. And that's how I learned to pray is by just doing it, just praying. And the more you do it, the easier, the more fluid it becomes. And you realize that there are depths to prayer. You can pray at times where it just comes out of your mouth. But then there is that move. There's a there's somewhere along the line that you shift into a deeper place. And when you move in there, you realize all of the needs start pouring out. All of the issues in your life. All of the present situations. Uh, they, they become... Uh, communication points with you and God and you realize God's able, God's mighty, God can and God will help us if we move into those deeper places in prayer. Praise God. Stand with me if you will. Oh God, help us to move into those deeper places because that's where He's really drawing us to. Into the chambers Thy chamber, sweet Holy Spirit. The songwriter said, speak to me softly as I close the door. Heavenly Father, let thy spirit hover. Shekinah unending is all I long for. That's where we need to be right now, church. That's where I need to be. I need to get into the depth of prayer because it is there that we find the wonderful grace of God revealed and who He is and what He wants to be in my life. You'll never know that of Him until you go to that depth of prayer. Amen. But when you move into that depth of prayer, all of a sudden it becomes a reality. Amen. Father, tonight we need You. I know that I have been an inadequate vessel to work through, but Your Word is powerful and it is sharp. And it is quick. And I pray that somehow it has penetrated the veneer of all of our lives. And that we would realize just how desperately you long for us to commune with you. You gave, Lord, your people a tabernacle. You gave it to them so they would commune with you. So they would have a place to come and relate to you. And in this time in which we now live, Lord, that veil is torn. We have access into the very holy of holies. There's nothing preventing us, Lord, from your presence but ourselves. Help us, Lord, to overcome that inertia and begin to pray and pray until we pray in the Spirit. Pray until we pray in the Holy Ghost. Take us, Lord, into those deeper channels of prayer so that we might see your mighty works revealed. Hallelujah. We thank you for it all, Lord. Hallelujah. Would you just love the Lord right now? Praise God. Lord, I love you. I thank you tonight. Hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Well, I better let you go. What a wonderful presence of God I feel in this place. I, I just, I pray that it will challenge you to get your Bible out and go read through the tabernacle plan again 
and look at all of the things that God gave his people that gave access to him. Amen. There's no reason why we shouldn't utilize those things. Amen. I love all of you. Love somebody near you. Tell them how good God's been to you. And we'll see you Sunday.